All right. Well, I'm just going to go through my introduction. You ready, Sam? All right. All right. Good morning, everyone. I'm excited to be here. To be honest, I'm nervous, but the Lord has been working on me, and he ministers to me daily and reminds me and corrects me that, Bronson, this is really need to stop thinking about myself through this. And it says in Proverbs 3, verse 12, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects. And I can tell you the Lord loves me a lot. <laughs> Every day, and especially this week as I studied and prepared for this, I take a lot of comfort in that verse. He wants my obedience, and I believe he has called me to be here today. And here I am by the grace of God. As much as I wanted to, I decided not to flee to Tarshish. <laughs> so, as I indicated, my name is Bronson. We all know me here. Um, my wife and Aaron is here with my four children, Bo, Bella, Mila, and Theo, but they're not here, unfortunately, today. Um, but we are self-employed, and we run hot dog and corn dog stands. A couple of you here, well, you all know that about me here. Um, we go by the name, the hot dog peddler. I love that old word, peddler. It accurately and simply describes what we do. It simply means a retailer, someone who makes money by selling something, someone who takes items and dresses them up. They adulterate or corrupt the item to make them appealing to the consumer, that the consumer would be persuaded to purchase the items. So I take a hot dog, I grill it, pile it with grilled onions, toast the bun, top it off with jalapenos and some cream cheese on the bun. It is delicious. I make it as appealing to the consumer to persuade them to purchase it. And as I say that, I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians 2.17. Paul is writing to the Corinthian church and says, For we are not as many which corrupt or peddle, the New King James says, the word of God, but as of sincerity, but as of God, in the sight of God, speak we in Christ. So as we start this morning, let me not dress up or corrupt or add to the word of God to make it appealing for you. God's word does not return void, the Bible tells us in Isaiah 55:11. We just speak the word and the power of God's Holy Spirit and the power of the word itself does the work. Let's read that verse, Isaiah 55:11. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. The Lord said to Jonah, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. Jonah goes on and preaches the message, and with a heart that wasn't even in it, you can recall in chapter 4 of Jonah, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. By just preaching what the Lord gives, chapter 3, verse 6 of Jonah, it says, the word came to the king of Nineveh. God does the work. God's Holy Spirit convicts. The Lord does the saving. None of us. We are just vessels. We are called to preach the good news, the gospel that Jesus loves everyone. He loves you and he loves me. So, Lord, that is our prayer, Lord. We, um, we, we, we cry out to you, Lord, for Grand Forks, for the people of the city and for Fargo and for our state, Lord, that... Uh, that we could be vessels that would preach your word, um, and that, and we know by your word that your word does not return void, Lord. So um, we thank you for your grace and your mercy, Lord, for getting us here safely this morning, and and uh, we pray, Lord, that uh, your word would convict and correct any of us today, Lord. Um, I know it has me, and continued continually does, Lord, and 
We thank you and we praise you and pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so we're starting in Proverbs 21 today. We're going to just be going through Proverbs 21. Um, I think, was it Ray that was telling me you guys went through Proverbs 21 this morning? Yes. <laughs> um, so, a jam-packed Proverbs, so much in here. It's been a real blessing to study it and dig in. So let's just read the Word of God, says, and let His Holy Spirit convict and correct us this morning to reach the throne of our hearts and take comfort that the Lord loves those who He corrects. Okay. All right, verse 1 of chapter 21 of Proverbs. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he churns it wherever he wills. Do we really need to say anything about that? It says what it says and means what it means. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. Exodus 4.21 And the Lord said to Moses, When you go back to Egypt, see that you do all those wonders before Pharaoh which I have put in your hand. But I will harden his heart so that he will not let the people go. This is so important. There is nothing we can do to change God's will and his plan. What's going on in the world today, every leader, no matter how big or how small, their hearts and ultimately our hearts are in the hand of the Lord. He churns them wherever he wills. Does anybody here really think that we are doing this and achieving this on our own. None of us can boast about anything. Matthew 11.30 For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus does the work. We take his yoke upon us. We just simply walk. God is in control. It has never gotten out of his hand. Nothing going on in the world today is out of his hands. Um, We all love the Declaration of Independence, right? In America, we are declaring our independence from God. The fastest growing religion in the world is the religion of self and self-worship. What we all need individually is to put back in place a declaration of dependence on God today. We need him and it starts with us. Let's tell everyone how much Jesus loves them. That's our job. It's not our job to change the government or change the world. But notice as we preach the gospel, what happens? It changes the world. As government officials get saved, it changes the government. Look what happened in Nineveh. The word of God changed the entire city. In Jonah it says, The word reached the king of Nineveh. The the heart of the king of Nineveh was in the hand of the Lord. Verse 2. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart. Jeremiah 17.9 says, The the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I, the Lord, search the heart. As I have sat with the Lord this week preparing this, Seth had asked me if I had, had a teaching I'd be willing to bring to Grand Forks. He asked me a month or so ago. I said no at the time I was studying in Samuel. I was in self-pity because the Lord was correcting me. I'm telling you, Jesus loves me a lot. <laughs> and then, not too long ago, he asked me again and didn't leave, didn't immediately say yes, but then I just had to go for it. I don't want to be Saul hiding in the luggage. But as I came to verse 2, the Lord sat with me and really ministered to me and asked me, what are my motives? 
What are you, are you looking to be recognized and make a name for yourself and be seen by men or be one of the guys? Is this about you, Bronson, or are you just willing to be my servant? Proverbs 4.23, keep the heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. So, what is our response to this? What can help you and help me? We go straight to the Word of God. Psalm 139, like David, we ask the Lord, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We humble ourselves, and the Lord is good. The Lord is gracious, and the Lord loves us. O Lord, let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. In last week's study, Numbers 28 29, you can remember, we should let, our, let us offer our hearts unto the Lord daily, weekly, monthly, and annually. Okay. Verse 3. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. This is the chapter in 1 Samuel 15 that I was in self-pity about. I had a hard time with this, but when there is correction, there is restoration. In Exodus 17, Israel had come out of Egypt, and after they had been traveling, the Amalekites attacked them. They were brutal and vicious. They came from the rear and began to kill people who could not defend themselves. God remembers and made a promise, and to God a promise is a promise. And many years later, notice God's patience in dealing with the Amalekites. Many years later, in 1 Samuel 15, verse 3, he tells Saul to go and utterly destroy all that they have and spare nothing, man, woman, ox, sheep, camel, donkey, Saul goes in, smites the Amalekites, and destroys the people. But Saul spared Agag and the best of the sheep and oxen and all that was good. So God sends Samuel to Saul because God knows what happened, that Saul didn't obey. And Samuel came to Saul, and Saul says to Samuel, Blessed be thou of the Lord. I have performed the commandment of the Lord. And Samuel said, Following, what means this bleeding of the sheep, lowing of the oxen, that which I hear? And so Saul starts to point the blame and says, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord thy God, and the rest we have utterly destroyed. See, God says here in verse 3 of Proverbs 21 that to do what is to do what is right and just is more acceptable than sacrifice. To go on into that lesson in Samuel, Saul didn't obey God fully, only partially. Are we killing all that is in our life that God says to kill, or are we keeping things around for our pleasure or because it will cost us too much to do it fully unto God? Because, you see, God loves us. He tells us these things for our good. And so the story goes on and the Bible tells us later on in Esther that Haman, the bad guy of the story, wanted to kill all the Jews. He was the son of Hamadatha, the Agagite. Saul spared Agag. Saul did not obey. It is always best to obey the Lord. His commands and his ways are for our good and for the good of his people.
Verse 4. A high look and a proud heart, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. There's that heart again. You see, God is the great heart specialist, and here we are getting heart surgery by the great physician. A high look, coming in here and thinking we are better than everybody and coming in with our heads held high, and nope, don't want to talk to him or her, might get stuck in a conversation. Don't really care what's going on in their lives, right? And then it says, everything the wicked does is sin. The plowing, even what the wicked produces, is sin. And the fruit of the plowing, we could spend an hour and sit right here and talk about the offering of Cain and Abel and what Cain produced for the Lord in his offering. Cain was a tiller of the ground, and Cain offered the fruit of the ground Unto the Lord what he had made with his hands. We are born sinners, and Cain and Abel were born into sin. But unto Cain and to his offering, the Lord had not respect. Genesis 4, 5. Verse 5. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, but every one that is hasty only to want. Get rich, quick schemes and gimmicks and lotteries. I remember when I was 18, 19, I, I, had, I knew a couple people that were always trying to get me into pyramid schemes, and they were always trying to get rich quick. But those who are diligent, those who consider and plan things out and give things thought and carry out plans and work at it every day, leads to plenty. Verse 6, the getting of treasures by a lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. Immediately here, I thought of a snake oil salesman and the definition that I found on the internet, so this must be true. (laughs) Someone who uses deceptive marketing, a healthcare fraud or a scam, someone who sells, promotes, or as a general proponent of some valueless or fraudulent cure, remedy, or solution. <laughs> Let that sink in. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. Verse 7. The robbery of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. What the wicked do is violence, and what they don't do is justice. God cares about both and will pass judgment over both. How did Cain respond to God? Did Cain perform justice or did he perform violence? I think we know the answer to that. (laughs) Verse 8. The way of a froward man, the way of a man is froward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. We are known by our fruit. People will see and know as they watch us and see that we are Christians. I like how Chick puts it. There is no such thing as an underground church. We can't turn it on and turn it off. We don't go to our jobs or to the grocery store undercover and then come to church and all of a sudden become Christians. Matthew 5.16 Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works 
and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay. Verse 9. It is better to dwell in a corner of the housetop than with a brawling woman in a white house. If this is you or if this is, is me, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5, 9, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Verse 10, The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. The soul has the desire for evil. I remember when I lived with a friend of mine many years back, and when we would hang out sometimes, we would joke and say things to each other. Like, for instance, if we saw pretty girls, we would say, Man, it's too bad we are Christians. Deep down, we desire to do what is evil. There's that heart issue, deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Thank you, Lord, for your grace and your mercy. Verse 11. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise, and when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. Have you ever had a question, and then someone else beats you to that same question, but the person or teacher they ask is like, man, what a dumb question. And you are happy that you aren't the one that ended up asking it. And you are like, yeah, what a dumb question, right? The simple are made wise. Verse 12. The righteous man wisely considers the house of the wicked, but God overthrows the wicked for their wickedness. In Psalm 73, Asaph considered the prosperity of the wicked and eventually saw the result and outcome of their wickedness. And he realized how well off he was and how so foolish he was. Wisely considering it, you realize the end in the wicked brings death. Verse 27 and 28 of Psalm 73 declares, For indeed those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry, but it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. Verse 13. Whoso stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he also will cry himself and not be heard. God cares about the poor and commands us to have a loving heart towards them. Luke 16, the rich man and Lazarus. What a clear picture of this verse. The rich man shut his eye, ears to the cry of Lazarus. Eventually, the rich, man, the rich man's cry is not heard anymore. I could spend a whole hour on that itself. <laughs> verse 14. A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a reward behind the back, strong wrath. In Genesis 32, when Esau sent 400 of his men to meet Jacob, and God had sent Jacob back to Canaan, Jacob was afraid because of what he had done to Esau years earlier. And Jacob assumed Esau was sending men to kill him. So he, sp so he split his camps into two camps, 
and Jacob sent gifts to pacify Esau's supposed anger. Genesis 32. Read that when you get a chance. Read the whole Bible when you get a chance. Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21. Verse 15. It is joy to the just to do judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. We need that heart transplant we've been talking about to be transformed from the inside that only God can do, to be able to walk in his ways and have that joy to do justice. Verse 16, the man that wanders out of the way of understanding will remain in the congregation of the dead. Philippians 3, 13 and 14, this is for us. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto the things which are before. I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Brethren, press on. Verse 17, He that loves pleasure shall be a poor man, He that loves wine and oil shall not be rich. Pretty simple verse. I'm sure many examples come to our mind. Verse 18. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. The righteous will succeed and triumph over the wicked. Praise the Lord. Verse 19. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and an angry woman. There it is again. It seems as though Solomon had a difficult time with a thousand women in the house. Verse 20. There is treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but a foolish man spends it up. The foolish man spends all that he has. It is wise to save and be diligent and to work hard. Verse 21 of chapter 21, He that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. There are two paths in life. One leads to heaven and the other leads to hell. Which path will we choose? I choose Jesus, for we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone, not of our works, lest anyone may boast, Ephesians 2 says. It is a free gift. It is the gift of God. God does not send anyone to hell. Everybody that goes to hell chooses that path. God gives everyone a chance and another chance and another chance to believe. He loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God didn't send Jesus to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God does everything he can and calls to each and every one of us to repentance. We were going down that path. We repent, do an about-face, a 180, and we turn in the opposite direction towards God. I pray we all choose the path of righteousness and mercy and that we find life. Verse 22 A wise man scales the city of the mighty and casts down the strength of the confidence thereof by the power of the Holy Spirit in us. 
we can defeat any stronghold by the wisdom and power of God. Turn to God, turn to the Bible, His Word. Read it every day. It is said that the Bible will keep you from sin, and sin will keep you from your Bible. We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Put on the whole armor of God, and the strongholds are sure to come down. Verse 23. Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. James chapter 3, verse 8. It says, No man or woman can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. We need God and the power of His Holy Spirit to help us here every day. We need to learn to keep our mouth shut. This last couple of years has really tested that. I have said and, and thought a lot of things I shouldn't be with everything going on in the world today. For whom the Lord loves, He corrects. We need to grab that Christian bar of soap. 1 John 1, 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Verse 24. Proud and haughty, scorner is his name, who deals in proud wrath. Exodus 5, 1 and 2. Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. As the Donald would say, Not good, not good. (laughs) Verse 25. The desire of the slothful kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. I have a friend in the business, and he would complain all the time this summer as he was trying to hire people to work this summer. And he would get so many people applying, and nobody would show up to interviews. Why? Because people were applying, and in order to keep their unemployment benefits, they had to prove that they were trying to get a job. Their hands were refusing to labor. We shouldn't let that be any of us. Verse 26. He covets greedily all day long, but the righteous gives and spares not. Continuing on from the last verse, the lazy man covets everything and wants everything he desires, but is unfulfilled because he does not work towards it. And to contrast from that, We have the righteous who are diligent and work hard, and they have enough for themselves and also to give generously. Verse 27, The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he brings it with a wicked mind? Again, in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, the Lord says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Religious ceremonies do not cover over a wicked life. You know, the priests may not see wicked intent, but God surely does. For a wicked man to give for his own pleasure is an evil thing. 
2 Corinthians 9, 7, Every man according as he purposes in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Okay, 28. A false witness shall perish, but the man that hears speaks constantly. When a liar is being questioned and he's speaking lies, you have to keep speaking lies to cover up for the other lies. And the one hearing it says, well, what about this? Or I thought this happened. Well, wait, you said this. And the liar keeps going and covering up what he says. He's a false witness. If somebody comes up to you and says, hey, did you hear what Jeremy said? Stop the conversation and say, hey, Jeremy's right over here. Let's go get him and we can keep this story straight and not spread rumors. How much easier would it be to just be truthful? The truth stays consistent. The story doesn't change because it is the truth. We don't have to make anything up about the Bible. The Bible is the truth. We should be Bereans. And if someone is saying something about the Bible, respectfully, don't just take their word for it. Go and search it out. Make sure we are humble to admit when we are wrong and that we stick with what the Bible says. Not what a preterist says, not what you learned at seminary or what our favorite Bible teachers say. Sit down with the Bible, the Word of God. Pray and humbly ask the Lord, Lord, I don't understand what this means or what that means. And He and the power of His Holy Spirit will teach us. Keep reading and be patient. Spend that time with the Lord and He will grow us up. We have a long way to grow. Verse 29, a wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he directs his way. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect, and Cain was very wroth, very angry, and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why are you so angry? Why has your countenance fallen? Cain hardened his face. And verse 30, we're almost done. All right. There is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against the Lord. Ultimately, God wins. His will and his plan will be accomplished. Leading us into our last verse of chapter 21 of Proverbs. Verse 31. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is of the Lord. But salvation comes from Jesus. The Bible says in Second Peter to give diligence to make our election and calling sure. Make sure that you are saved, that you are born again into the family of God. For we are saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. Nothing we do or work at achieves us salvation. Nothing we prepare or work at or build for the day of battle will save us, but Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead. Psalm 127.1 Except the Lord builds the house, they that labor in vain, they labor in vain that build it. So, guys, we need to tell people about Jesus. Tell people that Jesus loves them, 
that he came and died on the cross, that he was buried and rose again and is alive and ascended into heaven at the right hand of the Father, that Jesus will save them if they just cry out from their heart, Save me, Lord. Romans 10.13 Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. This is the good news, the good news that we are told to go out and spread. He doesn't tell us to go and argue with everyone that we have it right. He tells us to just tell a lost and broken world that Jesus loves them and that he died for them. God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that it might be saved. Amen? Amen. All right, so I'll pray. Uh, Father, we, we thank you for this beautiful day, Lord, and thank you for your word and your correction, Lord. And, and uh, we just pray that your word does not return void, Lord, uh, that, that our cities and our, our, our leaders... Lord, that the word will reach them, Lord, and give us all the courage to go out and uh, tell people at the gas station, at the grocery stores, wherever we may be, Lord, that uh, whether it be in action, whether uh, just the way we are living, Lord, that they can look at us and say, hey, something different about those guys, Lord, and and uh, they want to come to know you, Jesus, with it, you know the, the, everything going on in the world, Lord. Um, Lord, the world needs you, Lord, and... And we just thank you for for us here, Lord, and being able to come here and worship you and um, and giving you praise and all the worship and glory, Lord. And we thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for this fellowship, Lord. And and, uh, we sit at your feet, Lord, learning from your word. And we thank you, Lord, and we praise you and pray this in your beautiful name, Jesus. Amen. Amen.